Welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is the place to connect to who you truly are. We're bringing PhDs, experts, and leaders to help you elevate your mindset in your work life and in your love life so that you can see things differently and truly love your world. I'm Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, author, and TEDx speechwriter and booker, and I'm excited to bring you in to this week's episode. U-turn, friends, it's Ash here. And you know, every now and again, I get a little bit of a tickle to talk about your health. And I'm really excited to bring Andrew Lacey onto the show today. He's Prunuvo's CEO, and he's a product technologist at heart with extensive experience in taking transformational digital products from conception all the way to launch in their startups and in large corporations. He also co-founded Tabulous, which is a company that pioneered the iPhone mobile revenues mechanics that now pretty much underpin the app store. So their product, Tap Revenge, was one of the most popular iOS games in the world in 2010. And Tapulous was acquired by the Walt Disney Company as a wholly owned subsidiary in 2010. Prior to that, he was at Zap Travel, where he built and commercialized Alexa and Siri-like vertical search interfaces. I mean, so many different things. He also has an MBA from Stanford and a JD from the University of Melbourne. And what I want to talk to him about today is Prenuvo, which is a new revolutionary technology and scan It is one of the most advanced and comprehensive 60-minute whole-body proactive health scans with life-saving insights. One out of 20 patients who do their scan find something that changes and saves their life, and there's no contrast and there's no radiation. You know, Pranuvo, we're going to get into this technology. I just did it and learned so much about my health. So without further ado, thank you so much, Andrew, for being here. Thanks, Ashley. It's really great to be here. I sort of feel like I need to start by apologizing for um, getting us all addicted to our mobile phones over the last 10 years. Oh my gosh. No, I was reading your bio thinking like, wow, you're definitely operating on a different plane than I am, Andrew. <laughs> Mentally. Well, the thing that's, I mean, the thing that's crazy, and I'm sure we'll dive into it, but you know, I think our original KPI for my first company was how many sort of billions of hours people spent on their devices. And these days, we're imaging a lot of young people who spend an awful lot of time on their devices, and we're seeing spinal degeneration that you wouldn't expect to see in patients that young. So I feel like I'm on a mission to redeem myself to some Mm. extent by bringing Pranuvo to the world. That's so interesting. Yeah, I feel like I hear all the terms like tech neck and like iPhone arm. I'm pretty sure I have tennis elbow, but it's really iPhone elbow. (laughs) Okay, so... I feel like a lot of people are going to hear me say, I I believe it was 600 different cancers that you scan with Prenuvo. Is that correct? To be honest, I don't know the complete total. What we can see with Prenuvo is any solid tumor over a certain size around a centimeter. So most cancers are solid tumors. The exceptions are blood cancers like leukemia, which we tend to see a little bit later. Mm, Okay. So... I know the health sister, the healthcare system right now, it's it's really reactive. I know there's a lot of insurances that don't really cover things until they're a problem. And then it's like a nightmare clusterfuck for people. Sorry for the terminology, keeping it professional here. But and then it's, you know, it becomes this wild goose chase for people to figure out what they're suffering from or what's going on with them. And it has 
all these poor health outcomes and, you know, incomes pre nouveau, which is such a transformative healthcare company. And those of you who are here, you know, they have facilities in so many different cities. You know, I was living in Florida. I was going to go to the Florida facility. Uh, now I'm in California. I went to the Los Angeles facility. So it's worth just after this episode, Googling and figuring out where is there a pre nouveau close to you? Can we talk a little bit about what is actually happening? Because I know it's advanced MRI, performing a preventative scan, looking at your whole body for cancerous tumors, you know, around stage one and 500 other conditions, right? Like aneurysms, spine herniations, they can see arthritis, polycystic ovaries, endometriosis, fatty liver. Can you walk us through what is the experience for someone and why should somebody even explore doing this? Well, it's funny, you know, I could probably walk you through the complete history of physical exams, and it would be a pretty short history. Around 2500 BC in Egypt, uh, what were, I guess, they were physicians at the time figured out that if they pushed on a person's abdomen, they may well feel something unusual, and that thing unusual may well be cancer. And that's the history of preventative screening for cancer. <laughs> So 4,000 years later, you know, in your annual physical, we still lie on the table and someone pushes and pulls and sees it, sees they can feel something that's unusual, an organ that feels bigger or a mass. And as you can imagine, the sensitivity of that um, prodding is pretty low. And as a result, we don't really catch a lot of cancers until you present symptomatically with them, which is typically stage three or stage four. Wow. So, um, so in the last 20 or 30 years, people have tried to use new imaging as an alternative to palpation. People tried that with CT, most notably 20 or 30 years ago. And CT is a spinning x-ray machine that takes photos of your body. And the problem with that technology is it involves radiation. And 20 years ago, it involved an awful lot of radiation. And it's not very sensitive for imaging the soft tissue of the body. So these are the organs. It's very good at bones which is why when you break an arm, you get an x-ray, but not great at our organs. MRI came about and people saw a lot of promise in that uh, because it is very good with soft tissue, but it's very slow and therefore very expensive. And so what Pronuvo managed to do was really work on optimizing the hardware and the physics that go into acquiring these images so we can acquire images three or four times faster. And for the first time, we were able to, in one hour, take clinical diagnostic quality images of your body and then use those to diagnose cancer and many other conditions. So the speed and hardware really enabled the service. And this has only really been available in the last couple of years. And, you know, this is the only thing that Pranuva does. So we're very good at this. Okay. So I feel like a lot of people are probably wondering, okay, yeah, you're looking at all these cancers. Are you missing, like you talked about blood cancer, is this basically looking at all the, the big, quote unquote, typical ones that people would expect? And yeah. in order to be stage one, how long could you give us a sense of like how long it could be sitting there? I mean, I'm, I know everything is a case by case, but, you know, I have a friend who had stage one breast cancer. And by the time she saw a doctor, it was stage three because the medical system was such a mess. But can you just but, give yeah. us a sense of like how often should they be doing this scan? Let's say they do it. They see nothing. In three years, should they do it again? What do you, what does Prenuvo recommend? 
Yeah, so here's like the crazy thing about cancer. And we're only starting to learn this now that we're able to genotype cancers when you get a biopsy. And what they do is they start to look at the mutations that are being acquired by cancer and they can kind of use those mutations almost like rings around a tree to figure out the age of that tumor. How many times has it been replicating in order to acquire these mutations? And the thing that we're learning from all of these, all of this science is that actually cancers are in our bodies for a long time. Mm. A colon cancer can be there 10, 20 years. A pancreatic cancer, which typically is a death sentence, you know, on average is in the body for around eight years, I believe, in a study at Hopkins a couple of years ago. So the fundamental belief that we have at Pranuvo is there's going to be a period of time where it's too small for any imaging modality to see. But there's probably two to four years at which point the cancer is visible on imaging, but is still confined to the sort of organ of origin, which is when you want to catch it. And that's and, and as a result, at Pranuvo, over 90% of the cancers that we're seeing are stage one. So mm-hmm. the evidence that we're collecting in clinical practice validates this idea that actually there's a wide detection window of cancer at stage one. Mm. That's to say every cancer grows at the same rate. You know, that's the problem with cancer. It can grow fast or slow in different people based on the organ or the genetics or the ethnicity or the age. But it's fair to say that it's there a lot longer than probably the average person thinks. And that really creates the potential for routine screening to just pick these things up almost always at stage one when you can treat them much less aggressively and much more successfully. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I loved coming to the Prenuvo facility. I thought it was like, it felt like the Apple store for your body, like just so clean, so modern. So everybody was, you can tell that you guys are not booking people at a level where it's busy and chaotic in there. You guys are very exact with your time and your assignments. So I came in, everybody was expecting me. I made my way into the machine. I know some people are going to be claustrophobic. If you've never, if you're listening, you've never done an MRI machine. It can be like a little tube. Like you feel like you're sitting in a toothpaste tube. I love that the Pranuvo machine allowed me to watch a movie on Netflix while I was in there. And I'm not a claustrophobic person, but I did feel a little, whoa, this is right (laughs) near my face. So can you walk a little bit through just the experience of the breathe in, breathe out. Like I was confused on should I breathe in? Like I want to bring people into the machine with us right now to help them kind of understand what it's doing. Yeah. So first of all, when you visit the clinic, as you noted, it doesn't feel like a regular medical facility. Mm-hmm. And that's really deliberate. Yeah. It's not because you know we set out to create something that's fancier per se, but it's because when we visit a hospital, in our healthcare system that is essentially defined by sick care, entering the hospital is automatically an anxiety-inducing thing because, because this health system that we have diagnosed things so late that if I'm ever going for a test or doing a hospital visit, that's automatically a scary thing. So we wanted to remove any triggers that remind us of a hospital visit. And so we have no white walls. No one is wearing medical outfits. We have a lot of soft lighting. Inside the tube itself, we have television, so you can watch a streaming video or a television show if you want. The whole idea is to, or a nature video, to relax people, to have them feel like, you know, this is a really comfortable procedure. We ask people to breathe in and out. And for some of those sequences that we take, of images that we take, and the the reason we're doing that is just to keep your organs still Mm -hmm. so that we can collect very clear images. And the only thing that's a bit tricky is that we ask you to hold your breath 
out as opposed yeah. to in. It's sort of the opposite. That of was the thing that I didn't catch. Okay, so for <laughs> those of you who do this, basically when you're sitting in the scanner, there's this little voice that pops into your ear and says, breathe in, breathe out. Usually when we think of breathing in, breathing out, we hold, we like, <gasps> Breathe in, hold our breath, and then we breathe out. But they actually want you to breathe out because when your your body's skinnier with less air in it, they can see the organs better. Is that accurate? Is that what you're saying? Well, we actually, it compresses the lungs and therefore right. sort of stretches out everything else. And and obviously when you're breathing, the diaphragm is pushing up and down all, all of your organs. So it just makes for clearer images. I've done a lot of different health partnerships on the podcast and I've been the most excited about this one because I've just never heard of a technology that has so much potential to save your life so quickly within an hour. So I know that it is looking at almost every system of the body in under an hour. Is it true that you capture a billion plus data points, which is 10 times more than what conventional MRIs can achieve? What does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. It's true. The way we think about your body is you know, we have a whole bunch of, we think of every little bit of tissue in your body as a three-dimensional pixel and we call them voxels. And so we have about 50 minutes of you in the machine. And the goal of the company is to, for want of a better word, slice and dice you as, as well as we can to be diagnostic quality for as many different things that could really affect your quality of life. And so, when we image your liver, we image your liver, I think about 14 or 15 different ways. And we're actually taking very high quality images and then we're filtering for different tissue composition. So we filter for blood and we filter for fat and we filter for proteinaceous tissue or fluid. And one, we have one really special filter that we're the world leaders at, which is something called diffusion. And diffusion enables us to filter for hardness. So recall, again, the Egyptian physician that was feeling the body for hard spots and a woman when they're told to feel their breasts for lumps. Yeah. this Not every lump in a breast is a cancer, but almost all cancers are lumps. Right. So we're able to digitally feel inside the entire body for lumps. So we take all of these different sort of voxels, that individual voxels that we took of your body, many at different tissue weights, and that enables us to be really accurate for what we're doing. And if you add them all up, I think there's 1.3 billion voxels that we're taking in the time that we have you in the machine. Wow, that's just wild. Okay, so I know that if somebody used the traditional system before Pranuvo existed, it would cost like $50,000 and take five hours. A lot of people are afraid of radiation. They're afraid of MRIs, thinking like, oh, I'm putting my body through a lot of stuff. Can you speak to that on this and just kind of respond to people who have that fear? Sure. Um, it MRI doesn't involve what's called ionizing radiation. So it doesn't involve radiation that damages the DNA in your body. So it's considered kind of radiation free. To contextualize what we're using, we use something called EF radiation, which is basically the same sort of signal that you get when you're talking on your mobile phone. And the equivalent signal that we sort of over a one hour exam, we're putting into your body about the same energy that talking on a phone might might do if you talk for five or six hours. So either that makes you feel bad about talking on the phone or good about doing the exam, but either way, it's a pretty safe procedure. Okay. And I want to also just take a look at like my own health tests. So just as far as the process goes, because I hope that there's some of you listening thinking, I really need to do this because why wouldn't you want the peace of mind? First of all, I went and got my first mammogram last year and the woman in New York at the 
facility told me, she said, I've never seen so much breast cancer in so many 30-somethings. That's so aggressive. And I know that Prenuvo is not a replacement for a mammogram, but you do have some faculties in the scan that kind of are like an additional heads up or possible value add. So can you talk about that? Because I know, I believe it's one out of 11 women have breast cancer or get breast cancer. I could be wrong, but we'll have to fact check that on here. But can you just talk a little bit about that? And then also for the women listening, like how can this see polycystic ovaries, endometriosis, like brain spots? Can you talk about these unusual things? Because cancer sounds pretty straightforward, right? Like it's looking for tumors for the majority of cancers other than blood. But then there's also these other things that are so interesting. Yeah. I mean, so as it relates to cancer, we find lesions that are suspicious of cancer in probably around 4% of people. So the number is way higher than you would think. Now, on a given year, your chances of being diagnosed with cancer are about 1.2 to 1.3%. So it's very validating, again, of the idea that if you come in for a first scan, you know, there's two or three years worth of cancer growth that we can you know, that we can find on a single scan. And almost all of it is stage one. Mm -hmm. Outside of cancer, I mean, we can, what's amazing about MRI machines is we can see anything going on physiologically inside your body. There are some things that we can't see. We can't see metabolic conditions. We can't tell whether you have diabetes, but we can see the end organ damage from diabetes. So, you know, white spots in the brain is a good example where if you have diabetes or high blood pressure, one of the organs that is most sensitive to this is the brain. And we start to see little micro strokes. And some of us, maybe the impact of that is obvious based on our lifestyle, but oftentimes there's uh, genetic um, factors at play. And we've seen people who are athletes and they have severe fatty liver or mm-hmm. they have metabolic conditions that they're not aware of because unfortunately they just have a genetic predisposition for it. So. When you look inside everyone, there's always something that we find. That's the crazy thing. That's the thing that I want to add. Okay. A couple things that, and funny, uh, not really funny, but oddly enough, I had a sprained ankle that I was at the end of healing. And, you know, for anyone who goes, here's kind of how it works. Like you book your appointment, you book your scan. I think you fast, correct? I can't remember. Four hours. Four hours, you fast. I mean, I guess if you do it first thing in the morning, you're fine. Mm -hmm. And then you lay in there for an hour. They give you a sedative if you're going to be claustrophobic. And if you're not, you don't need a driver or anybody to help you in that case. You just show up. You sit there for an hour. The skin tells you to breathe in, breathe out. You're out. And then about two weeks later, you get your results. And you get on the phone with somebody over at Pernuvo to go through all the findings. You can log in and see. And it goes through every different part of your body. I, it was funny for me for them to say, do you have a sprained ankle? I'm like, yes, I do. (laughs) But can you explain the brain spots? Because I was talking to the practitioner that went through my scan with me and we were talking about Lyme disease and I was telling her I have Lyme disease, but I'm testing negative right now. I don't have any symptoms from it, but she was saying that there was somebody who had Lyme that came in and they had a lot of spots on their brain, which explained a lot of cognitive brain fog and disconnect just a little bit from the head down, like we've got the brain spots. Can you explain what fatty liver is? Just educating people on yeah. why this might Yeah, matter. let's see if we can do a virtual walkthrough of the body. So Yeah, that's what I want to do. Yeah, so we start at the head and in the head, I would say the most common things we see are these age-related, what called white matter lesions. 
And white matter lesion is just really a part of the brain that has been damaged. And when our brain gets damaged, it doesn't regrow. The good news is we have a lot of redundancy, so it doesn't really matter unless it's sort of a systemic issue and something like MS or what's called small vessel ischemia, where there's systemic problems of flow of blood to the brain. And these things can build up for 10, 20 years before you actually start to notice the symptoms. So the earlier we can inform people about it, the more they can make lifestyle adjustments that can stop the progression of those conditions. We obviously look for brain cancer. We look for uh, any uh, defects in the ventricles that can sometimes cause a migraine, particularly in women. And then as we go further down, we look in the back of the nose for a particular type of cancer that you can get there, particularly if you're a smoker or uh, from an Asian ethnicity, I believe, which is very hard to find before it becomes essentially terminal. So this is really the only technique that can find that. Wow. Look through the mouth. Um, we've found oral cancer. We uh, evaluate every one of the glands as we go through the body. We look at the sinuses. So oftentimes people will have chronic sinusitis and not realize they'll just have headaches and think it's headaches. So you can see sinusitis on there. hundred percent. Yeah. We see that okay. very easily. We, there are some cysts and other benign, but potentially, you know, uncomfortable conditions you can get in the sinuses as well. We see. Well Actually, speaking of that and the brain, I'm wondering if you could see this. I had a friend who was trying to get pregnant for a year, and she eventually realized that she had a cyst in her brain, and it wasn't cancerous, but it did need it to get medicated, and it was causing miscarriages. Like it was, and the, the cyst in her brain, or it was like a benign tumor, sorry, not a cyst, a benign tumor that was caused by her having an eating disorder and being a model earlier in her career. She no longer has an eating disorder. But there's something going on. Is that the kind of thing that you might be able to see like a benign? Yeah, uh, typically those are on the pituitary gland, which is a little tiny gland right in the middle of the brain almost. And so we can see that. And that produces a hormone that can affect a lot of bodily function. The last thing we see in the head really that's important is aneurysm. Mm -hmm. And we find in about 1% of people, we find clinically relevant aneurysms. And aneurysms are like little outpouchings of the blood vessels inside the brain. Think of them almost like little balloons. They even look like little balloons. And if anyone's blown up a balloon, you recall it's really hard to get going. But once you get going, it becomes a lot easier to blow up that balloon. And these aneurysms are the same. When they're small, they can be relatively benign. But if they start growing, then there's always a risk that they might rupture. And that rupture is never good. Mm -hmm. Then we go further down. So in the thyroid, we can look at the size and appearance of the thyroid. We can evaluate for thyroid nodules, which can be quite common. We go further down, we look into the lungs. Mm -hmm. uh, in the lungs, here we're looking for any solid masses and they that hardness sequence is very helpful in the lungs for us to be able to identify those. And unfortunately, what we see in, is that we see a something of a rise of lung cancer being diagnosed in people that don't smoke, particularly women. Uh, no one really knows why. Yeah. They don't know if it's uh, related. They know it's probably environmental, but we don't know why. Mm -hmm. And and in fact, most of the lung cancer diagnoses I can recall are actually young women that have never smoked. And luckily, we caught these at stage one and um, they had a good outcome. Wow. As we go further down, we look at the heart and we, can, we can't tell too much about the heart because it's beating and you're breathing. So there's lots of movement there, but we can, just, we can tell if it's normal shape and size. We go further down, we start looking at the, the esophagus. And make sure that no one has a hernia, which is where part of the stomach enters, you know, pokes through into the diaphragm, into where the lungs are, which can be very, very painful. We look at the esophagus to see if there's any thickening that you can get from acid reflux. 
That was interesting to me. Like yeah. a lot of people have, you would never think, oh, I'm going to get a scan that detects hundreds of cancers early. By the way, you have acid reflux. I just love that you guys, okay, perfect. Continue on. Sorry. Well, there's a condition called Barrett's esophagus, which is basically this chronic inflammation of the esophagus. And if there's one thing that people should really take away is that we don't like inflammation. Inflammation is bad and inflammation is sort of a, is a breeding ground for cancer. So we need to know about inflammation when it's just inflammation, and then we can do something about it to fix it. Right. We then go into the into the liver. We do a complete investigation of the liver. Liver is, has lots of benign conditions here, little cysts and things called hemangiomas that are little blood vessels that are sort of clumps of blood vessels. It's really important to have a screening that can differentiate the benign stuff from the concerning things because otherwise you'd have too much follow-up, and we're really good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously we find cancer there, um, but we can look at the overall size and shape of the liver to see if it's healthy. Um, we can ev- evaluate the liver for liver fat. Uh, um, so we can identify people that have what's called NAFLD, um, which is uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Okay. That I was curious about because people keep talking about fatty liver. I'm like, what does that even mean? So it's just fat deposition of the liver. Your liver looks like foie gras, you know, there's a ton of fat in it. And, and it's essentially damaging the functioning of the liver. So it can lead over time to like chronic liver disease. Okay. And it's also one of those conditions where people don't often know because there's a big genetic component to it. We look at the gallbladder. That's part of the reason why we ask you to fast. So the gallbladder is full of fluid and we can evaluate it for any lesions or we can even sometimes see slurry and sort of gallstones in there. We look at the pancreas and to, and pancreas, think of it like a very ugly sort of banana shaped mm-hmm. organ. And, you know, down the middle of a banana is that little black thing, sort of thread that runs through it. So that's in the pancreas, the pancreatic duct. And we want to make sure that's very clear and small and mm-hmm. not dilated because the most common thing that would dilate that would be um, pancreatic cancer. Mm. We look at the spleen, we look at the kidneys as we go further down. We don't see kidney stones, but we do see obviously kidney cancer and other conditions. And as we go down further in the in the sort of abdomen, we start to get to the reproductive system. So with women, we're seeing, we can obviously see polycystic ovarian uh, disease, PCOS, and this is where it's kind of really obvious. In fact, even when we show the image, it's sort of like the both ovaries light up like Christmas trees. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And of course, when you're, when a woman is menstruating, you, we see cysts all the time there. A follicle is a cyst. Uh, but what we want to see is that these come and go. And that's a natural part of the ovulation cycle. But when they're there um, all the time, then, then that's uh, PCOS. And obviously that can affect fertility quite a lot. We look for fibroids in the uterus. And some people might have quite large fibroids that they're not aware of. We've found fibroids that are so big that I think once they've removed, you know, the person, will have lost, you know, five pounds or something. It can really grow quite ginormous. I actually Uh, just had a friend who had a surgery to remove them and she was on a wild goose chase for months to figure out why it hurt her to have sex and why she felt so much pain all the time, why she couldn't get pregnant when she wanted to. And she ended up having fibroids the size of golf balls. Apparently, when I looked through my own health results, I had like a tiny little one and They were like, okay, now you have a baseline. And that's something I want to emphasize for anyone who's listening to this episode is at the very least, even if you feel fine, wouldn't it be useful at whatever age you are right now to have a baseline on this is my body at this age and I'm going to get back to this 
later. And so now I kind of know like my little fibroid friend is this size. And if I ever do another scan, I'll be able to track it. Okay. So I love it. And by the way, we're even learning that we're learning about human health because no one's looked at fibroids longitudinally. And so when you come in for a scan, we ask you, when was your last menstrual period? Because fibroids, we believe are very hormonally dependent. So they can grow and shrink depending on the time of the month. So without this knowledge, you might think you don't have them, but you just don't have them at that time of the month or they're smaller and they can grow. This is one of the kind of cool things when you start looking at inside the bodies of people that are quote unquote normal, you know, to our health system, but there are things going on that we can see really early impacts of. So we look at the ovaries, we look at the uterus, we, we then look at the colon so we can evaluate the colon for a lot of digestive issues that people may know they have, Crohn's disease, colitis. Mm-hmm. And this is chronic inflammation of the colon. Remember, inflammation, bad for cancer, and it raises significantly your risk of colon cancer. We don't see polyps, which is why we we still recommend people do a colonoscopy. And then probably the last big part of the body that we evaluate is the spine. And in the spine, everyone has something going on with their spine. Now, it's up to you to decide what you want to do about that, particularly if you're young. Because we want to give you the information about what's happening so that ideally you don't end up in a situation where you're in your 60s and you have poor mobility because you have severe spinal problems. The spine changes quite and evolves quite slowly. And the earlier you know about it, the more you can just make lifestyle modifications. I'm standing on a treadmill desk right now because I had problems with my cervical spine and I didn't want them to progress. And I've been able to stop that for me. So that's probably like 10% of what we look at. But you know, we go through every organ of the body and obviously the legs as well. We don't do the arms, but there's not a lot that can kill you in the arm. And we give everyone a detailed report. We go through every organ of the body, every condition we look for. And if we see something, what is it? How is it significant? And most importantly, what should you do about it? Because the goal is for you to have in your hand all the information that you need to then go out and access the health system and get the treatment that you deserve without having to go through too many hoops. Because you know, you have everything laid out. Mm, mm. Okay. I know that there's, so after I did my scan, I was thinking, number one, I looked at all the offerings and you guys, you have different price points for different parts of the body. You could do the whole body. It's, it's 2,500 for a comprehensive scan. There's okay. a hip torso scan that's uh, $1,799. So $1,799. And then we have a torso cancer scan that's a so okay so you turn friends who are listening i'm going to put this in the show notes but you can get 300 off the price for the whole body scan if you go to prenuvo.com slash u-turn podcast so it's p-r-e-n-u-v-o.com slash u-turn podcast another question that i have i was so impressed when i walked away and saw my health results that i was like okay i want to get this for my whole family But what came up for me was like my dad just had his 80th birthday and we're probably going to go on a wild goose chase for him because he's had colon cancer, prostate cancer, um, you know, God knows what his his colon even looks like at this point with the amount of Cinnabons this man ingests. So how do we decide if it's worth the investment as far as like a certain point where somebody maybe thinks, well, you know what, my parents are this age, it's... Because one could argue you should always get the answers, but I imagine that people also get sent on a wild goose chase to see a bunch of things through that are not worth seeing through, or there's like a cost-benefit analysis there. 
Well, I think it's a very personal decision, obviously, but the way I think about it is, you know, our job is to provide you with information and then your job is to work with your physician and team to figure out what you want to do about it, that. So my mother, who's 84, uh, she got a scan just mm. a few months ago and she was generally healthy and that was really exciting to her. And she's now looking forward to living into her 90s, you know. There are other people that might just decide that, you know, there's wear and tear that accumulates as we get old and there's stuff that they're not going to sweat. But it all starts from having information and then you can make whatever decisions you want to make about your life. It sort of in some ways reflects my journey to Pranuvo, if, if I'm able to share that for a little bit. You know, I'm a entrepreneur. I, you know, my life is 60-hour work weeks, seven days a week. You know, I don't had, never looked after my health for a long time. And, you know, and I got a little bit concerned as I entered my 40s. Well, I only see one half of the equation here. You know, I see the benefit of working hard. I see what that does to my career and financially and everything, but I don't see any of the cost. It's very theoretical. I'm not sleeping. I sleep like five hours a night. Is that a good... I understand that could be bad, but the, we're really bad at really calcu- like performing that calculation. Yeah. It's all very abstract. And so I went on this personal journey to figure out, like to learn the other side of the equation for me. I'm investing for the future, but am I going to be around for that future? And I just found it really hard. There was all these bits and pieces of answers, but no one could give you one answer. Mm. And at the same time, I was starting to get nervous. And I'm not a hypochondriac. I'm not a person that is overly concerned about my health. But my poor mother, she kept having these dreams. I mean, she would tell me these very vivid stories about being at my funeral. And my wife was like, you keep getting headaches. Surely that's something that's not stress. There's something going on inside your head and you're stupid. You start to worry. I mean, what if that's the case? I mean, I'm working so hard. Maybe I'd rather be surfing in Hawaii if I've only got six months left to live. You know, like how do I... So, I went on this journey and I found someone who was doing these scans. And that's the early version of what we now call Pranuvo. Mm. And I went and got a scan and it was a bit... I was a bit nervous, to be honest, because it was going to reveal everything. All of the... what If I... To the extent that I had my lifestyle had impacted my health. I was about to learn what the other side of the equation was. And thank God I learned tons of stuff. There was nothing that was like life-threatening, shall we say. And the thing that I really realized and the most powerful thing for me personally was just the tremendous peace of mind that gave me. And I had no idea what that would feel like until it happened. And when, I, and when it happened, like all of this mental anxiety went away. Those little voices, however small, disappeared. I had a headache. It was a headache. Andrew, you didn't sleep enough. Just get some more sleep tonight. I have a pain in my stomach. It's not colon cancer. It's nothing else. It's just I ate bad food. And it felt almost like I was in a special club of people that I'd cross in the street and no one else had, had that same sort of insight into my body that I had. And so that's why we really wanted to grow this. I mean, we're saving lives 100%. And it's incredible impact. It's great to hear the impact we have on people saving, finding cancer, finding aneurysms. But everyone kind of deserves peace of mind and clarity around their health. And I think something like 10% of people are meet the clinical definition of hypochondriac. And for people that come to us, about another 20% of people are really anxious about their health and the health system is not solving those problems for them. Mm. So imagine how much happier we can be as a society if we have clarity about what's going on. So that's really why, for me, that's the driver. I want other people to feel the thing that I felt and to be able to have agency to then work on improving 
or deciding if they want to improve their health. Or like me, I still work hard and don't sleep enough, but I'm making a conscious choice because I understand both sides of the equation. Yeah. Educated decisions based on actual information. This is, I'm so excited for people listening to to get their scans. And I'm going to post on Instagram my actual health results and just walk people through it because I, it's just so rare to find something so impactful in one swoop. Everyone, don't forget prenuvo.com slash U-Turn podcast. It's in the show notes for your $300 off your full body scan. Is there anything else I haven't asked you that we should let everybody know before we go? Well, I think one of the most hilarious stories that I hear very constantly is I always ask people like, how did you hear about us? And they're oftentimes it'd be like, well, I was at dinner with a bunch of friends and someone pulled out their scan results and they pass it around and we're all talking about this. And I mean, we see everything with these things, you know, let's be clear. If you're a guy, there's not a lot you can hide from these scans. And I I find it so funny and and sort of, I find it so unusual, but sort of powerful that people think it's so impactful that they won't be ashamed. Like there's no shame at all in sharing everything. And when's the last time you we at a dinner and you talked about your last medical test and what it yeah. told you. you know? Yeah. There's something cool here. I think it's tapping into this desire that we all have maybe coming out of COVID to really be in control yeah. of our health and sort of recognizing that our health system is just not very good at preventive health. And, you know, we're not the only company that's sort of got interesting things going on to help us be much more proactive. But I think this can be a really important part of someone's personal health plan. And I hope one day is that this is standard of care everywhere and that these scans are available and covered by insurance so that everyone can benefit from something that should be like a human right, which is to understand what's going on inside our bodies. Yeah. It's actually wild how much we need to hustle with insurance companies to prevent them from getting a bigger bill and us having a huge life shift. So thank you. It's also a bit of a scan. Uh, we have so many people that will come in and say, well, I did a single body part scan and and the, they billed the insurance company $10,000 and my out-of-pocket was $2,000. Right. I'm like, why didn't I just go and do a Pranuvo? So yeah. there's no way a single body part scan costs $10,000. That's That system is just kind of insane. Insane. It's a bit yeah. Weird. Yeah. 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 It's I lived in Paris for four years and I was in a different medical system, obviously in Europe. And I just remember realizing like how long I was living there thinking, wow, the number one cause of bankruptcy is medical debt in the United States. And the fact that we, I live in a country where people can't afford to be sick is it like, it makes me sick to think about it. And so I know that for those of you who are considering doing this, and I'm talking to you, if you're listening, hearing me, like this is not a small investment, but it's such an important one. And the technology is cutting edge. And even if you're not afraid of anything happening to you or anything going on with you, give yourself that baseline so that you can reference that in the future. You never know when that itself will save your life of, oh, we see this thing, but maybe it's nothing. Well, you can look back at the other scan you've done. So- Thanks again for being here, Andrew. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app and just 
being willing to make your own U-turns. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.